With the NowJobs app, you're only three clicks away from a new student worker. Let us introduce you to the NowJobs app. That's extra help in just a few clicks. No fuss, no administration. Download it now. Available in Belgium, the Netherlands, France, and soon in Germany. NowJobs. Get the job done. Ka-ching! Hide your kids. Lock the doors. You're listening to HR's most dangerous podcast. Chad Sowash and Joel Cheeseman are here to punch the recruiting industry right where it hurts. Complete with breaking news, brash opinion, and loads of snark. Buckle up, boys and girls. It's time for the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Three guys who look amazing in lederhosen. You are listening to the Chad and Cheese Podcast Does Europe. I'm your co-host, Joel Stuck in Second Geert Cheeseman. And this is Chad Blame the Dutch Sowash. I'm leaving making public affairs sound like fun, funny banazen. And on this episode, <laughs> Move Over Paradox, Retention is in and Germany wants you. Let's do this. European Talent Intelligence. What does it mean? Imagine a world where it's easier for you to find and know your target group. Where it's easier to recruit and attract the talent you need from a European talent pool. Every year, thousands of corporate recruiters, HR departments and intermediaries rely on Intelligence Group to make that dream a reality. Intelligence Group is the European market leader in recruitment talent intelligence. With innovative dashboards and tailor-made research in 28 European countries, it is our job to empower you as a state-of-the-art, data-driven recruitment business partner. Recruiting with data is great. Recruiting with Intelligence Group is better. Learn more about our services at intelligence-group.nl Intelligence Group, market leader in European talent intelligence. What's up, boys? What is up? So, uh, so it's time to blame the Dutch kids. Don't steal my thunder, so wash. I got a shout oh, out. Okay. I got a shout out. I'm okay. sure it'll, it'll cause no, some. It. It'll cause some conversation. So, so I'll, I'll mispronounce <laughs> this. Geert Wilders. Uh, it looks like Geert Wilders uh, for those Americans. Yes. Uh, the media is calling him movie. the Dutch Trump. And he's in a good position to become Holland's next prime minister. He's well known for his strong anti-immigration, anti-Islam and Euro skepticism. The Netherlands would join Italy, Germany and France and also Argentina, although it's not in Europe, embracing a more right wing nationalistic position. That's all happened in the past few years. Vildes secured 25 percent of the vote, which is a lot, apparently. Uh, so he'll have to play nice with other parties to actually become the prime minister. But what do I know? I'm just an American. Levin, please enlighten us on the Dutch Trump. Yeah, enlightening is something he needs. Okay, so um, Geert Wilders basically is the um, headman of a party called PVV, Partij voor Vrijheid, Party for Freedom. And he's been in parliament for over 25 years. He's pretty, he's, he's experienced. So, but now what is the problem? They have to find capable people to fill in those seats because they don't have them. I mean, nobody who is in his right mind is going to openly admit he's pro- 
promoting yet welders. <laughs> well, nobody who's decent would actually join that party in the first place is what I'm hearing. <laughs> Definitely not. I mean, and they would never admit it. Some people, I'm sure, will vote because um, deep inside they are against Islam or against whatever, but they would never, uh, not many people would tell it to their friends even that they voted for PVV. Ireland had uh, Ireland had some shit go down this week. Also right-wing extremists, people burning uh, whatever they could burn. Yeah. Yeah. So you got to love how these movements like the uh, Party for Freedom is is nothing less than, I mean, there's no freedom. Nothing at all. <laughs> but no. At all. I mean, it's like in the U.S. we had Citizens United, which literally was nothing but corporations, right? It's like none of this shit makes sense. So the question is, does he have a chance to actually become prime minister? Because the, the, the votes are transparent, right? So you have to know who voted or can they actually vote behind closed doors? for prime prime minister most european countries it's like this the party who wins the elections they get the chance to first try to make a coalition with other parties to get some kind of majority and mm -hmm. then they can agree on who's going to be the prime minister and gotcha. i thought the second party vvd it's called was going to make a deal with um Geert wilder's party and the deal could be here Wilders would say i'm going to to settle down a bit and i'm going to be a bit more demographic uh, no um democratic democracy yeah, yeah. um yeah. and then if you join me and then we can have a majority and then you can become the prime minister because nobody would accept here Wilders as a prime minister but vvd decided we don't want to work with him we're going to we want to join the coalition so now it's a problem because he only has 37 seats and he's the biggest party, but it's only 37. Now he has to find people who are willing to work with him. And I don't think it will happen. So he probably will never become a prime minister, even though he would love to. Has this come to Portugal yet, Chad? Has this trend come to Portugal? I think the trend is everywhere. I yeah. mean, you have you have far right people all over the place. Uh, but I think the, the Portuguese, because we're in, in the beautiful country of Portugal, uh, where <laughs> everything is wonderful, uh, it's, 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 it's just not as bad. It's just not as bad. But yeah, I mean, this, this happens everywhere. Interesting times in Europe, for sure. Yeah. Do you have a shout out, Levin? Yeah, my shout out goes to VDAB, which is basically the Flemish Department of Labor, and they have a job board, the VDAB.be job board. And according mm -hmm. to a survey done by Intelligence Group, VDAB is the biggest job board in Flanders, beating both LinkedIn and Indeed. So I think they should be sponsoring my Congress now because I mean, our Congress, House of HR's Congress, because we only work with the best. And uh, since they are the biggest, I'll contact them. They are the biggest. That's that's hilarious. We're talking about event, events. Uh, next week, uh, I'm going to be in London for TA Tech happening on Tuesday and Wednesday, where I will be emceeing the event with Kirsty Kelly. Uh, people in the room will be guys like Matt, that British guy, Alder, Hung, our favorite porn star, Lee, the lovely and talented Julie Sowash, Deathmatch winner, Andrea Wade, and a yes. list of other smart and talented people. Uh, if you're in the UK or, oh, shit, maybe you can just hop on a quick flight to, to London. Go to chadcheese.com and register. It's going to be a great event. Plus, Cheeseman, this is this is where you're going to get envious, my yep. friend. We are going we are scheduled to have a, uh, and record a multi podcast episode in a proper English pub Whoa. a few hours before the reception with Alder, Hung Lee, Julie, Chris, Murdoch, James Whitlock and myself. So we'll be dropping that in the holiday stream sometime soon. Oh, uh, did you say, did you say, Hungly? Aye, Poppy. 
<laughs> By the way, didn't a, didn't a certain uh, Scott in our lives have some big news this week? Welcome to all things Scottish. Our slogan oh, is, if it's no Scottish, it's crap! Yeah, and I guess it's public now. So Stephen McGrath with this little baby ginger girl, and he's 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 assuring us it's going to be a ginger girl. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, so he's home with uh, with Natasha as long as she will have him until she kicks his ass out of the door to go uh-huh. back to work again. So we're really, really excited for him and uh, that little baby girl. Rumor is he's spiking the uh, the bottle with Aberfeldy. I don't know if that's true or not, <laughs> but uh, hey, I wouldn't put it out of the realm of She's Scottish. I think yeah. that's normal. <laughs> it's already yeah, it's already it's running through the blood, so why not put it put it in the <laughs> liver while you're at it? Holy shit. Happy. Congratulations, Stephen. Uh, the world couldn't use a better sperm donor than you, my friend. Our favorite Scott, yes. Topics. All right, we got a tech block out of Europe this Ooh. week. Let's Hello. get on three stories, and we will comment appropriately. First up, mm. Artisan has raised $2.3 million to create human-like digital workers, launching Artisans like Ava, a sales rep automating tasks while aiding human workers. Founded by a 22-year-old CEO from London, they claim to have 3,000 users and that's all in just the first six months of launch. Chad, what's your take on Artisan? So Ava, this AI sales rep, is going to have access to 265 million contacts, uh, which she can just blast and start uh, start the the cold calling process, the, the cold outreach process. Um, I think Artisan is smart to start with sales because... That's where most of the massive budgets reside. Uh, sales leaders should be expected and excited about this tech because as a guy with sales background myself, prospecting and cold calling takes a ton of time away from the actual dollar making sales activity. So actually talking to inter- interested humans with problems, this gives sales reps the time to better research companies and then engage in meaningful conversations, opening up that wallet even further and doing more of what you should be doing as a salesperson. We talk about this like in recruiting, all the, the minuscule, the, the kind of tasks that are happen, that happening that, that take you away from the actual human interaction. That's what uh, I think Artisan is doing here. The cool thing, onboarding only takes about 10 minutes with a, a, ten, a back and forth conversation. So you're actually having a conversation with the AI uh, for the integrations itself to talk about domain-specific skills required for Slack, Teams, and integrations to HubSpot, Salesforce, MailChimp, and others. So I can see and I will predict that in 2024, we will definitely see companies using these co-pilots as SDRs and and co-pilots for sales. So um, they're also going to have Noah, the AI designer, and Liam, the AI marketer that are going to be coming out in in 2024. So all good English names for those for those chatbots. So my man is 22. He's straight out of like casting for the next uh, love it Nolan Nolan film about you know tech. They got accepted to Y Combinator. Uh, which accepts 1%, I think, of of startups. So right there, you got a story made out of Hollywood, right? Like 22-year-old mm-hmm. founder. And by the way, this guy is, you know, good looking. He's There's some topless photos. Uh, 
he's a guy, so it's all good. So, I mean, he's, he's like kind of sexy. He's British. He's young. He's got this cool tech startup. They moved to San Francisco. Y Combinator, like everything is going right for this company. They got a, a PhD on the other side of the co-founder equation. It's a great start. I mean, it's, it's from what I read, it's all email based uh, at the moment, which how many of us get spam emails from sales people? in quotes, uh, quite a few of us on a regular basis. Now it can have a conversation via email where it answers and, you know, like has a, has a back and forth, which at some point I assume goes to a human being to actually close the sale or get the contract signed. Companies like Air, Air.ai, which we've talked about, actually will call people uh, in terms of having a conversation. So, there are companies, in my view, that are way ahead of where this is going. Artisan is, is a good place, but they need to get to voice really quickly. They need to get to text really quickly, which assuming uh, with Y Combinator's help and funds, they will do. But this has the, the, the undertones of a really cool story in our space uh, because this guy is straight out of central casting uh, for a startup. But do you think, I mean, adoption for a a voice that you know is not human is going to be is going to be good, especially on the sales side. I think like for a candidate, it, because they just want interaction in the first place, the companies are getting way too much fucking interaction from salespeople as it is. <laughs> so I don't want calls all the goddamn time from salespeople. So I mean, I, I think it's almost like a difference in industry and also who you're trying to use this outreach for. So I, I, I agree with you. There, there are some that are ahead of them, but I'm just not sure on the adoption curve if if air is is gonna is gonna make it happen or not. With, yeah, uh, with I voice. mean, time will tell. Uh, I mean, air sounds really human. It's not like you're mm. talking to a robot on the phone. Uh, now there is like Tesla does this, Apple does this, some big companies do this. Now it's on the consumer side. Oh yeah. Uh, so it's not a B2B transaction, uh, which is what y- you know you may or may not be looking at um, with Artisan. So I guess time will tell whether buyers on the corporate enterprise side of the house will be like, whatever and hang up or if they'll actually have conversations. I think they'll get more human sounding um, people may test them, have fun with, oh, let's see if this is really a robot and like test it with questions. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, just like the people in, in Walmart with bats that will, you know, beat up a, a robot uh, janitor. People will have fun with this. Um, will it work? I think the sad truth is sales in our space is a numbers game. Like if you're not making 100 calls, a, you know, a day outbound, it's really hard to like make a difference in a company and startups. If I'm a startup in this space or any space and I can like have a software that will email hundreds of people on a millions of uh, users in terms of leads, would I do that if it's a lot cheaper than hiring an oh, SDR email, yeah. or a salesperson? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, I'm going to do that. Now, if, if after six months... I got nothing, then I got to go back to to plan B or go back to plan A. But a lot of companies are going to start the sales process with this automation solution. And I guess time will tell as to whether it'll work or not. Are you going to equip your staff with it uh, over there at uh, House of HR leaving? Already, already doing it, I think. But um, it's a very interesting concept, Artis, and I liked it. And I'm a big believer of the whole hybrid teams concepts. Mm-hmm. I think in the very near future, teams will consist of both people and robots, and you'll have to manage both and make sure they work together. This artisan concept with um, launching bots like Ava now for sales, but uh, they will have sev- several uh, personas doing different things. Mm-hmm. They actually are a first step towards that hybrid team team concept. Yeah. I love it. And actually, actually, they seem to have the right background. I mean, 
and uh, the sexy CEO who's 22. <laughs> if it was only him, I would have my doubts. But the CTO has a PhD in astrophysics from Oxford University. Wow. So this combination could be cool. I mean, uh, a young guy uh, who's really enthusiastic and mm -hmm. who, who probably has great ideas. And then a CTO who's been around and who has a... Grounds him. Yeah, and then those two forces working together might actually achieve something. And I read they will participate in the Y Combinators winter batch, meaning that's where uh, Sam Altman came from, Y Combinators. So uh, I think yeah. uh, they're uh, circulating in the right circles. Yeah. Interestingly, recruiting was not uh, one of the verticals that they're getting into, Chad, that you mentioned, uh, Liam money, and, and others. There's yeah, not enough money. money there. I mean, it's... Yeah, I don't mind. The opportunity in our space to put retargeting code on an ATS for someone who's already applied to see them yeah. come back to the site and then contact them in, a, in, this, in this fashion is going to be huge. I, I, I don't know if Kevin's doing it, but yeah, there will be somebody that figures out um, that process and it'll be it'll be huge for sure. Yeah. HR needs bigger budgets. I mean, we deserve it in the first place. Yep. Recruiting deserves us in the first place. Um, that should be happening. I agree hundred percent, but they're, they're going after, they're going after the big cash first, which is sales, obviously. Oh, marketing. for sure. Marketing yeah. sales. Yeah. Yep. There's, there's money in them, in them Hills to, uh, to start mm -hmm. this thing up. Well, that's not the end of our tech news. Another one out of Europe, uh, Ukrainian job search platform, Jubal has made an investment in Terra's Work, a service that facilitates the outsourcing of hiring freelance recruiters. The investment amount has not been disclosed, but the platform currently has over 800 registered recruiters and more than 500 daily users. Chad, what's your take on the move by Jubal? So Jubal must be making a lot of money off of paid ads and arbitrage in, in East uh, East Europe. So good for them. That That's awesome because this is their, like their, second, their second or third... Uh, time they've actually invested. Uh, Taraz work is a freelance marketplace and they're trying to penetrate more of Western Europe. Uh, labor types of positions like rigor, mechanic, electricians, chefs, drivers, security guards, people who cannot be remote workers, which I thought was interesting. So I originally thought Taraz work would be an SME player for companies with smaller recruiting staffs and smaller recruiting budgets. But those two just don't quite jive in my head. So I was thinking, Levin's going to know more about this than we do. And you've forgotten more about this than we know, Levin. So <laughs> would SMEs recruit talent from Eastern Europe into Western Europe? Or is this literally just a play for larger, larger brands and companies? It's always kind of difficult to move those people from Eastern European countries and mm -hmm. to integrate them in Western European countries. Right. So it's mostly done by bigger companies who have who can facilitate this. Mm -hmm. But um, there are plenty of companies who are doing this for SMEs. We, for example, in the Netherlands have a company called Covebo, and they specialize in um, hiring and training people from East, Eastern European countries, mm -hmm. mostly with um, skilled blue-collar workers within okay. construction, mm -hmm. and they retrain them to um, to work in Western European countries and also at SMEs. So there's definitely a need, but those SMEs can't can't do it by themselves. So they're helped by people like Covebo doing the the hassle for them. Do they become their like employer of record? Does Covebo become their employer of record or do they just, yeah. okay. Okay. So they're yeah. like an EOR company for skilled labor. That's, that's, that's really, really interesting. And in the Netherlands, they even provide housing. Ah, so yeah. um, they uh, facilitate everything. Yeah. 
Yeah. Send him to Chad's uh, Airbnb in Portugal if you ever uh, run out of room <laughs> and, and play. Yeah. Like you mentioned, Chad Jubal. Jubal's like a, a secret success yeah. over in Europe. I mean, mm-hmm. this acquisition, it's their third. During a war? They're in they're in Kiev. That's my other point. Uh, yeah. But they 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 just they acquired uh, JJ, an online uh, ed tech company, and <laughs> yeah. Adsy, uh, recruiting uh-huh. uh Ad service. Their leadership team, outside of their PR guy who's from Sweden, apparently, they're all in Ukraine. They're all in Kiev or Ukraine. That's incredible, based yeah. on you know what's going on in Ukraine right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so big applause for them uh, for all that. But yeah. if you're looking for ways to you know donate money indirectly uh, to Ukraine, like put some money in Jubal, like promote some jobs. Uh, they've got other companies that they're working with. Like, there's a company to support in the world in our space uh, outside of Jubal. Uh, some Israeli companies that we've talked about on the show, mm-hmm. uh, Tatio, HiBob, uh, ZipRecruiter, etc. Like, the fact that this company is still rocking in the heart of Ukraine oh, yeah. is just really, really cool. Really yeah. cool. Yeah. It's, it's inspiring. I mean, I mean, it really is. Totally, totally. It's amazing. Life goes on even during a war. And business goes on. That's a good point. We Americans, at least, we're so pampered and, you know, like cushy and plump and fat. Like, we don't think about some countries just are used to crazy shit going down, I guess. We're we're protected by oceans. Eastern Bloc might be uh, (laughs) one of those those sectors. Well, Mm -hmm. that's not the end of our, our tech breakdown, guys. Let's talk about someone else. Another one. Let me get to my notes real quick. All right. Move over, Paradox. An AI-driven chatbot named Manuel, based in Madrid and led by some HR pros, has developed uh, a chatbot out of the company named HRBot Factory. They've helped deliver a major recruiting effort to a Spain company uh, at the tune of 3,200 seasonal workers. During peak season, the company has secured 1 million euros in funding. That was earlier this year, and they generate income exceeding 500,000 euros back in 2022. Chad, what's your take on... Manuel by HR Bot Factory, not to be confused with CNC Music Factory. HR Bot Factory. It does sound pretty cool, right? Uh, especially if you do know CNC Music Factory. But seriously, it's just a basic candidate application flow chat bot. I mean, the, the, the kind of stuff that Paradox and Talk Push do in their sleep. Now, I, I'm not sure where the AI comes in or is needed here, but since everything today comes with the side of AI, I guess we shouldn't be surprised. Anyway, I say good luck, but this seems like a chat bot pitch that we heard from about seven years ago. So I'm going to give this an eight out of 10 on the yawn factor. <laughs> <laughs> How are you going to buzzkill our final tech story? Going to make you sweat till you bleed, so wash. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Yeah, if Paradox hasn't acquired these guys already, maybe they should just for the talent and the footprint. Because they, they apparently are in a lot of different countries. If you look at their website, they've got, they've got little pins in South America, throughout Europe, etc. So if, if they have some sort of client base that can be turned on to like some real tech, like Paradox is slinging, like that could be a real opportunity for them. You'll remember Paradox bought Spets, Spets. Spets out of uh, Israel back in 21. So it's about time for them to acquire another European company. So, hey, Paradox, 
get in that couch, get some loose change, and go by uh, <laughs> go by Manuel, which is a pretty sexy I, chatbot name, at least. I think Aaron will just want to crush them. <laughs> <laughs> probably, probably. No clue what Paradox's footprint is in Europe. It's probably not bad. Do you run into Paradox in Europe, leaving chatbots? Nope. No. <laughs> <laughs> what about what about sewer? Okay, sewer, uh, sewer. Just having some technical issues, but uh, I'm fixing them as we speak. We can hear you, and you can hear us. So that's okay. Building the plane in flight. Yes. Okay. Leaven has a whole studio, by the way. Chad and I have like a <laughs> mic plugged into the computer. Yeah, but uh, need to make up for uh, everything else I lack. <laughs> So, uh, okay, chatbots. We were talking about chatbots, right? Yes. European yes. chatbots. And uh, it was Sur. Was it Sur? It was Sur. I think until one year ago or something, when talking about AI and chatbots, I always thought about very artificial and hardly intelligent. But now with uh, everything based on ChatGPT, it's getting really intelligent. And uh, it sounds really, uh, it doesn't sound artificial anymore. So I think recruitment using bots is a proven concept, but suddenly it became more effective, I think. And I'm a believer. I think it will work. And I kind of like the name. Were we talking about Manuel before I had Manuel, those issues? Yes. Manuel. Do you know uh, Faulty Towers in the US? No? A series no. by a television series by John Cleese. No? You know John Cleese? Faulty Towers sounds like a great name for a business. Yeah. I'm going to buy some <laughs> Faulty Towers. It was the name of a hotel, Faulty Towers. And there was one waiter, waiter working there. His name was Manuel. And um, he was famous for the quotes, I know nothing. I'm from Barcelona. So whatever went wrong, he knew nothing because he was from Barcelona. And he was working in the United Kingdom in a hotel called Faulty Towers. But... The fun part was uh, in the whole of Europe, this was a very popular series and everyone knew Manuel and everyone, if you said, uh, I know nothing, they would answer, I'm from Barcelona. But only in Spain, <laughs> the name Manuel was changed to Pablo and Pablo came from um, Naples, Napoli, <laughs> because the Spanish people, he, they, they, they didn't really saw the fun in Manuel. Okay, so... Uh, but this is uh, totally irrelevant. It just uh, came up. Anyways, we were talking about chatbots. Manuel. Okay, please go on. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm going to go with uh, the, the uh, Hogan's Heroes ref reference, and that's uh, Sergeant Schultz, who I know nothing. I know nothing. nothing. I know nothing. Levin's got to stop pounding the Belgian bruise when we record this podcast. The Belgian bruise. Let's take a quick break and talk a little European startup tech hiring. We'll be right back. Everyone deserves their best job. That's what Fiji stands for. We make a big difference for independent recruiters with the strength of our fast-growing recruiter network. At Fiji, you can be your best self and work for the company you'd like whenever and wherever. We support you with the best digital and online recruitment marketing. We offer professional business development support, recruitment specialist training, and a bit of rebellious network meetings. Let's join strengths and help more professionals find the job they love. Celebrate recruitment and join Fiji at FYGI.nl. All right, guys, let's talk startup tech hiring. A new report on European tech startups from Ravio indicates a shift from hiring surges to a focus on retention, highlighting decreased hiring rates by nearly 40 to 50%. Yikes. The report says startups are retaining talent through increased salaries, addressing gender pay gaps, and promoting equitable work environments. Why is this happening? The survey cites economic pressures such as ballooning interest rates. The report stresses the need 
for non-cash incentives like, shocker, equity. Chad, what's your take on the news on startup in the tech space? So this is uh, coming out of an article from tech.eu. And let's focus on the byline here for a minute. Quote, in response to market conditions, European startups are increasingly focusing on employee retention and pay equality, end quote. When times are good and money is flowing, good business practices always suffer. When talent is abundant, Companies feel like they have license to treat their people like shit because talent can easily be replaced. But when times are tight, money isn't flowing so freely, talent isn't as easy to come by, attrition is killing overall productivity, business starts the quote unquote, our employees are the greatest asset bullshit. So this is just a normal cycle of business and sitting back to watch it over and over is fucking maddening at times. Uh, This should be a specific business problem that is taught in business schools. Then there's the pay equity and representation problem that plagues businesses as well. That was in this article. If women are doing the same work and not receiving equal pay, it's going to be harder to retain them. If women are only seen as a low percentage of leadership roles in a company, why would why would any woman want to stay? Why would any female want to stay? So more business problems that I don't believe we tackle early stage of learning with whether it's startups, whether it's in university or, or what have you. So this to me has nothing to do with hiring. It has to do with just shitty leadership and shitty business products or processes. 60% of the time it works every time. So I look at this primarily from a, I guess, uh, macroeconomic perspective. So when a lot of these startups or when startups in general in the past few years have have been founded, they've been flush with cash, money is free, the IPO market was open and uh, available to startups, that's really turned around. So the the appeal to get the best and the brightest to come to your company isn't isn't, you know, shares of, isn't stock options and a payday, you know, during, you know, for an IPO or a big acquisition, they got to come up with something better. And if they can't hire because their salaries aren't better than big, big tech companies can pay, then they got to spin it as equity. They got to spin it as we'll retain you and keep you in in some form or fashion. Like, here's how we're going to do it, whether it's uh, better work environments or better uh, better flexibility. Uh, that depends on the startup. But they, they can't just rely on shares of stock. They can't just rely on a big payday to attract the best people. So when those people leave or there's a threat to leave, well, like we got to retain them better. I think I think the pay equity thing is PR for the most part. Uh, it's like, hey, let's just throw in pay equity. Let's keep the women we have. Uh, the study also sh- showed, a, I think, a Fairly, fairly uh, decreased amount of, of salary for women uh, at these companies. So they're actually just getting kind of to, to equal from where they are, uh, which is pretty far down. So they are making a difference there. But I think a lot of it's PR. Uh, we'll keep you by paying you what you're worth. Oh, gee, thanks. That's really nice of you to do that. The also, also big problem is, you know, the down rounds, which we don't see with private companies, but the, the shares of stock that these people had with down rounds and, and like revaluing these companies, some of these stock 
options are underwater, like they're worth nothing because of the revalue of the, of the company. Look, no, not everyone yep. is open AI. No one's, you know, no. revaluing at $87 billion or whatever it is. Right. So, so these startups have to be creative. I mean, good on them to actually think about retention and how we keep people and paying women fairly. Uh, you know, like that's a luxury you didn't have to deal with when money was free. Now you have to deal with it. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. They this don't is, give a shit when everything's good. That's the thing. It's like you always have to think yeah, about this. inflation, competitive marketplace, uh, big companies, with a lot of money, like welcome to the Horrible. world. Yeah. Leaving for it would be stupid from my point of view to promote retention. <laughs> I think you should constantly hire new people and preferably through us. But um, these days, uh, it's not like you can open a can with uh, potential candidates and they will just jump out. You have to find something to uh, to attract them and also to keep them, of course. And um, I think being part of an equity program definitely works for us. At House of HR, we have over 300 people who are part of um, some kind of long-term investment scheme. And um, our and plan a scheme doesn't sound right. Long-term scheme, investment yeah, bad, plan. bad word choice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. plan. But um, it's a lost in translation, a long-term investment plan. And that definitely helps to keep people involved. Uh, they all say something like, um, as a small shareholder, sh- shareholder, I uh, don't think this is a good idea. And it's funny, but it's a way to keep people involved. And also, of course, it's a nice bonus if everything turns out right. Yeah. And people won't leave if they have something to look forward to. So I do believe in uh, equity and giving people a fair share of uh, the profits. Levin, did you see many people or any people leave when Bain came in and made such a, a move to acquire so many no, no. shares of the company or was it like oh we're we're coming in and the promise is an even bigger payout at some certain point so retention has been easy at house of hr i'm guessing it became easier it's never easy of course i mean but uh, it became easier and people definitely did not leave because bain bought them but um, there was a, a big uh, long-term investment plan and it paid off when bain entered and then there was a new one so uh, even if, if the company grows, everyone can grow with the company, which is something personally I, I love. Many companies have many different ways to uh, motivate people. But in the end, money is always important. And there is a certain moment where a few thousand euros more doesn't make much difference. But for normal people, it does make a difference. It's the difference between having an extra holiday or uh, just being able to pay the bills. Yeah. Because Europeans need more holidays. We, <laughs> some European countries. Yeah. Them living their lives just suck, Cheeseman. Yeah, it's nah. horrible. Man, I don't know why mm. we do that. Politically, it's kind of dicey right now. Like immigration, what countries will let you let people in? How hard is it to get people in? Like, I think that's going to play into it as well, which takes us into our next story out of mm. Germany, everybody. So... Europe's largest economy, a.k.a. Germany, has relaxed regulations for non-EU nationals seeking employment, emphasizing a shortage of skills with the current pool of candidates. Revised legislation effective from November 18th facilitates residency for those with a university degree and a job offer, lowering the income threshold to around 44,000 euros annually. Specific fields like STEM require earnings of approximately 40,000 euros. IT specialists without a degree need three years experience. Permanent residents 
Permits can be obtained in as little as 21 months with German language proficiency. Yeah. The changes aim to aid international companies in recruiting skilled workers and bolster German competitiveness. Studies reveal that most EU blue card holders, which I'm guessing is the equivalent of the green card in America, Levin can enlighten me on that one, uh, they tend to stay longer term, so there's more incentive to get them into the country. Chad or Levin, what are your thoughts on Germany's move to get some brain power back into the country? I think it's the only way. I'm, I, I mean, we need the people and uh, the whole population is aging. So um, we're going to have a big problem within 10 years if we don't find new, to say it's a new blood to, uh, to keep us young. So I think uh, this is the way to go. And this is exactly the opposite of what they are um, proposing in the Netherlands. Uh, the party we were just talking about from Geert Wilders actually is trying to um, to stop uh, labor migration. Migration. It's the total opposite. And I think in this case, Germany is right. Yeah, I, I don't know if this is the answer to what the real problem is, but I know it's not more people. And I'll give you an example here in a minute. I'm, I, I'm a huge fan of immigration because it brings culture, new ideas, productivity, although we need to start talking about sustainability first. And growing Germany's population is not sustainable. I'm going to give you an example that I think everybody will understand. It's comparing Germany to California, the U.S.'s best producing state. So stick with me. So we have to take a look at literally the size of the country. So by landmass, Germany is about 350,000 square kilometers. California is bigger. 423, almost 424,000 square kilometers. By population, Germany's population is 83 million people. California's is 34 million people. That's a huge fucking difference. By GDP, Germany's GDP is 4.4 trillion. California's is 3.8 trillion. Right behind them. They're one state in the US, right? California has almost a third of the size of the population of Germany. California has bigger landmass, about by 75,000 square kilometers. This is not a people equation. It's a revenue generating equation. Population growth in Germany and most places in Europe is not just, it's not sustainable. In Leven, this one's for you, my friend. Belgium is only about a third of the size of Indiana, landmass wise. And that's where Joel and I both live. And yet Belgium has twice the population of Indiana. There are already too many fucking people in Indiana. Okay. I cannot imagine why, why all these European countries are so pissed off because they have too many fucking people. It's too crowded. It's not sustainable. So to be able to say that we have to grow population, I think is just maddening. To be quite frank, we have to think a different way to actually ensure that, again, take a look at Germany. Germany has 83 million people, 83 million. That's a hell of a lot more than California's 34 million. And California is making just about as much GDP as Germany. There's a different problem here, and this is not going to solve it. More people is not going to solve it. If only Hitler's Lebensraum campaign would have panned out, then they would have had plenty of land. Uh, This is why they don't grow almonds and wine in Germany. By the way, I think in Indiana, your gardens... Your gardens are just too big. They could be, but we don't have as many people. <laughs> well, it's interesting. I mean, Americans don't consider Europe is like half the landmass and twice the people uh, as America. So th- that's why they have trains. 
Uh, <laughs> U.S. trains don't make sense because you got to go a long ways. Uh, High speed trains would make sense, but go ahead. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> only only a few lines. Elon, of Elon's course, boring but... company will save us uh, from that hyperloop. I agree. I mean, one of the um, uh, the, the guy who won the Dutch election, his uh, slogan even was "The Netherlands are full." And according to what Chad is saying, he's he's right. I mean, there are so many people. But if we want to keep our um, potential growths, if we want to keep it, then we need the people to do the work to pay all those uh, pensions for those who have been working for the past forty years. So if you want to keep the current system intact, we need new people. And since we don't make them, like uh, our Scottish friend is doing, but, uh, <laughs> then uh, we need to, uh, to say it may be rudely important. The problem is in the Netherlands, for example, um, there is a housing shortage. Houses are becoming extremely expensive. For normal people, it's becoming impossible to buy a house. Definitely not in the, the popular regions. And those people say, if we import 300,000 new people, that's 300,000 new houses, which make it even harder for... Again, the, that's why we don't need more people. Germany wants the right people, which I'm putting in air quotes. They want, yeah, they want educated people who make a lot of money and can buy stuff and can pay taxes and can yeah. support the aging population. Of the immigrants they don't want, they don't want. So it's like have our cake and eat That's it too. That's always been the case. That's always been the case with Germany. But not only with Germany, I mean, with the whole of Europe right now, this is why extreme right is, is gaining so much because the social system is going to collapse if we just open the gates to, let's say, the whole of Africa. So is AI the answer? That's it the question. We need I, less people. We need less people. Definitely. But we need to generate more revenue. And that revenue goes back yeah. into the system to pay for the old people. That's yeah, what I'm saying. The construct that we're talking about right now, the, the economic construct we're talking about right now is a 1920s construct. It's much like when inflation rises, what do we do? We raise interest rates. That's the stupidest fucking thing I've ever heard of in my life. It's a 1920s construct, right? We need to be thinking differently about how economics can work. They don't have to be the 1920s version. And in 1920, people live to be 65, which is why the retirement age yeah. is around 65. Unfortunately, people are living longer, but they still need care. 81 is the life expectancy in Germany. And now, by the way, Europe's paying more for their defense, which means more in taxes to pay for bombs and tanks. So who's going to pay for that? It's not people that are retired. It's young people that are paying for the retired and paying for the new stuff. So it's like, how do we balance this to keep our way of living so our politicians can stay can stay AI in business, <laughs> and yeah, so it's this Automation. really incredibly difficult balancing act. And it is. like Levin talked mm-hmm. about the demographics, it's gonna like it's gonna be so top heavy with old people that young people aren't gonna be around. So either either produce more people, have more sex, which sounds like a great solution to me, but apparently young people don't agree. And number two is either Im- let immigrants in. I'm sure they have lots of sex, but they use birth control. I don't. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. Uh, talk to Stephen. He knows how to how to do it, and <laughs> I think all of us on this call know how to do it too. But anyway, mm-hmm. uh, um, I digress. So it's either have more sex and more people uh, have immigrants, which they're trying to like. Let's have the right immigrants, but not the wrong kind of immigrants. That sounds. Or you or you become more productive. To Chad's point. The economy becomes such that you need fewer people to produce more goods and consume more shit. And so it could be a balance of all that. It could be one or the other. We just don't know about productivity and AI as to whether that'll be the the panacea or not. I I don't know if that's going to be the panacea. I just know that creating more stupid humans is not (laughs) a panacea. We have no other choice at the moment. 
We have plenty of choices. We just don't. We just yeah, don't we, choose. We can pull the plug on the old people and say you're on your own. There's no health. There's no, no Medicare. There's, there's no like. There's no net safety net. And in a hundred years, or it'll, it'll or we can out. make sure that CEOs aren't making like you know fifteen hundred percent more than everybody else. I mean, there are things that we can do. It's not just one thing. We don't just pull the plug on one well, thing. You can, right? I mean, tax the rich more to support that. I guess you could. There's there's that. There's in that. this case. In this case, it's not a money thing. It's just a, a people thing. I mean. Well, we it's a money thing have, because you've got to pay for those people who are living no, 20 years we, longer than what they did in the 1920s. One out of six active people are having a job in care right now in the Netherlands. And mm-hmm. because all those people becoming older, the demographics, we're going to need one out of four people. But we also need those people to work in IT. We also need them to become a, a fire um, agent, etc. So we, we just need more people to do all the jobs which need to be done. And mostly within healthcare. Or you need more robots to take blood pressures. And we need the Jedi robots is what we need. We watch Star Wars. Got We're all going the, to yeah. have to make choices for real. As soon as the Amazon robots are filled, are, all the warehouses are filled up, they can start caring for the, for the elderly. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Which, by the way, is a real opportunity. I mean, my, dad's in a, my dad's in a retirement home. Like Those people would love conversation, whether it's a robot or... <laughs> a cat like they just want to talk yeah. i'm digressing but there's there's a lot of opportunity nah. for companies to make a lot of money on the demographic collapse of <laughs> europe and most of the rest of the world <laughs> leaving's empty he needs another one and i need one after this conversation mm. boys it was fun we'll see you again in a couple of weeks we out we out wow look at you you made it through an entire episode of the chat and chase podcast Or maybe you cheated and fast-forwarded to the end. Either way, there's no doubt you wish you had that time back. Valuable time you could have used to buy a nutritious meal at Taco Bell, enjoy a pour of your favorite whiskey, or just watch big booty Latinas and bug fights on TikTok. No, you hung out with these two chuggleheads instead. Now go take a shower and wash off all the guilt. But save some soap, because you'll be back. Like an awful train wreck, you can't look away. And like Chad's favorite western, you can't quit them either. We out. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.